Welcome to episode 38 of Hair Biz Radio with your host, Zakira. And Mikey. Yes, Mikey is back in town. He's like a variable on the podcast these days. I am variable, but it, but like at least variable. Shay is awesome. So like yeah, my fill-in is, is awesome. a boss. Yeah, Shay's a boss. She's sick right now with strep throat. So hopefully she gets better soon. Uh, I rocked out the podcast last week by myself. We yeah, had an amazing that. guest. It was super cool. Thanks to Crystal for recommending her to us. But today, we have somebody awesome in the building with us, Miss Sonya Walker. She is a hairstylist and salon owner of 20 years. Her salon is uh, out here in Georgia in Fayetteville. So she's hanging out with us today. How are you, Miss Sonya? I'm great. Can't complain at all. Yes, 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 yes. I know before before we got started, I was all pumped because I was like, oh, we're on episode 38 because as we talk about, most people start <laughs> stuff and then like after, especially with podcasts, what is it? Episode seven, they fall off. Yeah. But we're on 38. I thought we were big time. And then you're like, oh, salon owner or something. 15 years. I was like, dang, <laughs> my podcast one year old, you know, the, the 15 years. That's impressive. That's that's going through it. I mean, 15 years. I know you have been through some stuff. 20. 20 years. Yes. You've been through some stuff. It was 20 in April. And I have. It has not been an easy journey. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it was all worth it. Though, uh, so. I bet it was. So we're going to get all into that. So then let's just talk about how did you get started in the hair industry? Like what made you want to become a hairstylist and work on work in the beauty industry? So it was about 1998 that you got started. 97. 97. Yes. Okay. It's about the time I moved. No, about the time I moved here, actually. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You're, you're probably you, you're probably looking at me now and surprised I wasn't one of your first guests at the salon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, actually, I never thought I wanted to do hair. I always did hair, but never thought it was like I would want to do it for a living. Yeah. Like my mom had three girls, so we did each other's hair. Okay. So I just used to dip and dab and summit everything that I thought I wanted to be. And just, you know, I went to job court in Albany, Georgia, and I was just doing everybody's hair out there. So I was like, and the money was great. I quit my real job. Just did hair. And I was like, I like this. Yeah. <laughs> and I've always liked the, just the, the fashion of it, the edge of it, or, you know, just just the whole concept of hairstylist. So um, I quit Job Corps, quit school. I was going for a legal secretary. So I was just like, no, I want to do hair. <laughs> it was so boring. I couldn't stay oh woke. Yeah. So I knew that was, wasn't for me. I couldn't be on time. Yeah. It bored me to death. And I was just like, this is not it. So, you know, I just had fun doing hair on campus. I mean, I did everybody hair on campus. And I was from Atlanta. So they was like, ooh, the she Atlanta from Atlanta. Girl. Right. <laughs> so, um, and then, like I said, the money was looking so good. So I was like, I'm going to hair school. And I shocked my whole family because they just never knew I wanted to do hair. Yeah. So from there, I went to hair school, got through hair school. Where did you go to hair school at? Atlanta Area Tech. Okay. In and Atlanta. How Are they still around? Experience? Was it year round? No, are they still around? Oh yeah, uh huh. It's oh, okay. called Atlanta Metropolitan now, or something like that. Uh, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah sure. So, what yeah. was that experience like going to hair school now, and then you know, with some if you have mentors and the uh, mentees in the hair industry or people who you kind of help navigate their way through the hair industry, what is something that was so different back then going to hair school than they have now? The uniform of it, the the experience, the education, because mm-hmm. you definitely need to be educated, right? Like, a lot of people, well, I work under her. I apprenticeship under her. I would say go to school, period. Yeah. You know, the apprenticeship is okay, but you don't get what you get in school. Right. And then not only that, you don't get what you get hands-on in school. Yeah. So you need both. But I would tell 
everybody to just go to a school, not even a private school, you know, just like a got your math, your English, all of that stuff. I yeah. would say go to that type of school, like your um, technical school. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to get out. Like a technical school. Gotcha. Versus your private schools. Because you just get more hands-on, more education, more uniform, more corporate. Yeah. And that's what brings in money, you Definitely. know. And really hair, you know, you got to love your trade. But it's also the income, you know, and you want a great income. So right. you want to do great hair, great people. Corporate people, you know, because that's what brings in the big dollars. Big dollars. Big dollars. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So after you finished hair school, did you go straight into a salon? Were you working in someone's salon first or how was that? Yes. During hair school, I started to exhale in hair school. People start talking about me in hair school. So I start working with a, a well-known stylist, L.A. A lot of people know her. She's great with short hair. Uh huh. So I started working in her salon before I even finished school. So that just gave me more skills, more cutting, edgy cuts and everything like that. I heard like you that. a beast with the scissors. Yes. <laughs> and I had always said, you know, if I can't do anything but cut, that's what I want to do. Yeah. You know, so it was just luckily I got under her and she trained me how to, you know, just do all edgy type cuts or whatnot. But I ended up working in her salon once I graduated from school. Gotcha. And I stayed there for like six months because I'm just the type like. I just grow, yeah. climb and grow, climb and grow. And I kind of start learning the business, which was kind of ugly. You know, so the type of part, I've always been ahead of my time. So mm -hmm. it was basically like, it's not working. Mm -hmm. So I was like, went to Fayetteville. That's how I ended up in Fayetteville. From Albany? Yes. Albany. Okay. Yes. From No, from Atlanta Area Tech. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So I worked with LA for six months and it was good. I built a clientele, you know, like a handful of clientele. And I started booth rent. Her thing was she wanted commission, but I was like, she's taking all my money. So I was like, can I go booth rent? Yeah. You know, in some weeks I wouldn't make anything, but I pay my booth rent. But then that next week I would do really well to compensate from the other week. Yeah. So, you know, I just started learning the business and whatnot and saw, you know, what comes in, what comes out of salons. So I made my way to Fedville where I learned, got fell more into hair care. Because in Riverdale was more weaves and things yeah. like that. Yeah. And, and when I was in Albany, I did a bunch of weaves. So really, I was just like a do-the-weave type hairstylist. So were you a self-taught? You self-taught yourself how to yes. do weaves and everything? Because they don't teach you that in hair school. Right. Not at all. Not at all. So yeah, I self-taught myself. Uh -huh. Just going through it, doing people messing up, fixing it, yeah. you know, things <laughs> like that. Moving on along. So then I wound up doing, being a shampoo assistant for a well-known stylist in Fayetteville. And I stayed with her a year, and then, you know, she went up on booth rent. I went booth rent. Yeah. So, because I'm like, okay, I'm over this, so let <laughs> me go booth rent. So, I was working both salons. So, then I departed from Riverdale Salon and went to Fayetteville Salon. And then commissioned, mm -hmm. and then I told her I'm going to do booth rent. So, a year after that, she wanted, my clientele had got so big because all I did was if I was talking, it was talking salon. It was talking business card. It was just, you know, I was just so hungry for it. Yeah. So, of course, she wanted to go up on booth rent. That's how it is in the salon. They see the money coming through the door. The booth rent goes up. About what year was this? This was in, I want to say maybe 99. Do you remember how much booth rent was in 99? I'm just oh, curious. Yeah. How that's much a, that's a question. Well, actually, that's something you don't hear too often. It was about 125. Whew. Now it's like two. 50, 70 something a it week? It was. Yeah. It's done went back down. Oh, like the whole okay. business of hair is down. Yeah. You know, it really is. You know, you got your salons that's really doing it. It's mm -hmm. big and it's, it's got publicity and everything. But your overall average salon business 
is kind of lacking. So that's why we branching out and doing other things. Yeah, just right. not just hair. You right. know, we adding lashes. We're adding selling hair. We're yeah. adding selling clothing and this and that just to compensate for the great money that we were making yeah. back then. We have a, a blog article where we talk about how if you're a hairstylist, you know, you're leaving money on the table if you're not selling hair. Because if Absolutely. you're doing weaves, you know, your clients are bringing in hair from other places when they could be getting it from you and you could be making extra coins. Absolutely. <laughs> like in today's time, there's no hairstylist that should be broke. Not right. one. Right. It's just all what energy you have left in you. Mm-hmm. And at 42, there's not much left in me. <laughs> I see some energy. But, don't don't yeah, wait now. But now, now that I just had a son, so it's like, oh, okay, get yeah. up. You got to go again. Because yeah. with my daughter, it was just me and my daughter, so I had to get it and I was hungry for it. Yeah. So it was no option. Yeah. So, you know, in February, I went on to my own salon. Didn't know anything about business. All I knew is I had to pay rent and that was it. So she went up to like $200 and I'm like, if I pay you $800 a month, I could pay my rent. Right. You know, I was always, I've been on my own since I was like 18. So I knew the concept of paying bills. Yeah. So, and then I was like, and once I fill up booths, that could pay that. You know, I did my homework and everything. And I just went from there and stepped out on faith and I've been on my salon, you know, since. Yeah. But it was a struggle. Right. Let's talk about, rewind a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about before you actually said, okay, I'm going to step out and go get my salon. What type of homework did you do? Like what research was that that you looked into before actually going to get a salon? Because it's your first salon. So it's like, how did you search for the building or what type of outline did you make when it came to how many stylists you wanted or what was that research process like? It's so funny because there was none. No. No. I mean, I knew I knew I needed a building. Yeah. So I looked for a building in the area that I was working in. Mm-hmm. And that was my first step. Once, you know, I met with the guy. He told me how much. And I location. Location was everything. Yeah. So um, whenever you're trying to open a salon, it's got to be about location. Unless you just got a bad clientele and you don't even need location. Yeah. Which is where I'm at now. But anyway, <laughs> so... um. So it was about location. I found a building. Everything panned out right. So I went on from there. But not being really educated on business, Mm -hmm. I wish I could have done it so much different, you know, because I stepped in like a big ocean of water. Not a puddle, but like a big (laughs) ocean of water. And things faced me that I didn't know anything about. Those are called sharks, those things. Those are the (laughs) sharks. You're in that ocean. Those sharks are going for you. But I was the biggest shark because I had to... To just walk through it, you yeah. know. And then I just feel like it was all for purpose. It was all for a reason to make me appreciate definitely what I've done. But yeah. it was times I, you know, my knees was bloody just from crying and praying. And did I do this too soon? And was I being hard-headed to my mom? Because my mom always said, get your four-year college degree first. <laughs> and I'm like, mama, I make more than you and daddy. <laughs> like, what well, I need to do that for, you know? Because my whole thing was, I just like... Just growing and making money, you know? And then not only that, I enjoyed my craft. So everything was fun until I opened my salon. (laughs) Because you just don't know the downfalls of opening a business. What's a couple of those quick tips? Just so like, I know there's a lot of people that listen to this or they're watching in our our Facebook group or Instagram. And we know they're stylists now. And they think it's all this glamorous stuff, opening a salon. I haven't opened a salon, but I know what goes into it. So I know it's not glamorous. There's a lot of challenges. What are a couple quick things? You don't have to be too elaborate. They can do their own research. But a couple quick things that if they're a stylist looking to possibly open a salon, what are some quick things that you think they need to look out for? Like I said, you got to look out for your location. 
you got to look out for the building and what comes with the building as far as your electricity mm-hmm. and your water heater. Uh-huh. Um, like these, it may sound small, but these are big things. You open your salon the first day and all the water is cold because you got a little... You got um, a, a standard commercial commercial water tank. Yeah. You need <laughs> something. To me. You need something big, so, legit, a lot of water. Right. Yeah. And this is stuff I didn't know about. We turn on all the dryers and all the electricity go out in my you shop. Need to upgrade electrical like, this on is that. The stuff yeah. that I did not know about. Yeah. Which when I moved in, it wasn't no savings. I was only twenty two. Wow. So it wasn't mm-hmm. any savings, you know. So mm-hmm. it was just like I could do it. Mm-hmm. And my dad actually built my whole salon. You know, he built the walls, the this, the that. So it's like family came again. That's how I got my salon. Not knowing with the water heater, we had to build a something inside the ground. Which mm-hmm. my dad and I'm like, okay, now we we right, can do we, these we, walls right. with wood, but we can't go into cement. Yeah. So I just had to come up with all this extra money, learn about loans and. How to get it done because my salon is open. Right. And the biggest thing also make sure your paperwork with the state is done because it takes, you think you could just go down there and pick something up. No, it takes about two or three months for everything to get cleared. And I had opened my salon and didn't have it. And I'm yeah. like, oh, well, I go pick it up and make it. They was like, no, it takes about two or three months. And the, you have the city saying you can't open this salon unless we have this paper. But as I said, as I continue to just pray and, oh, I can't believe this, you know, I stepped in an ocean of water. It still all fell together. So it all worked out. But that was like the biggest letdown to me, not knowing what I'm telling these people now. Yeah. You know, make sure everything, the building is equipped for a salon. Even if you got to go in there and make that happen, it's possible, whatever. And then make sure your paperwork is already, you already have it before you open the salon. Definitely. That's the thing. And then opening the salon, start, if you know you're going to open it, start like maybe six months into it, getting your flyers out, your your billboards done, you know, your networking. So when, when you open the doors, your phone is ringing for clients. Right. Because there's, okay, you can have a beautiful salon, but if no clients is in it, what's, you know, what's the point if you don't have clients? So I experienced a lot of that. Yeah. And talking, talking about it. Just mention it to people that you trust. Because clients tend to feel like they're taking care of you. So in essence, working with women, I opened my, let's just say I was making back then like two grand a week at mm-hmm. 22. Yeah. So, you know, I thought That's I was good. really yeah. doing it. You I, know, I ish. really was. You know what I mean? <laughs> but as I start to tell everybody, I'm opening my own salon in three months, blah, blah, blah. Money start to go all the way downhill. Mm. So it's like my thing is just trust. You got to know who you're trusting because, like I said, clients, they're women. You put it out there and just all kind of trouble comes to your face and, you know, just the drama behind the scenes. Yeah. But you got to be a pusher and you got to love what you do. Because had I not loved hair and the art and the craft of it, I probably wouldn't have made it because it's just that hard. You know what I mean? But like I said, in the end, it's all worth it. You know, because I could look back now and just smile and say, I did. It's been 20 years and I still, I'm still going. You know, I look through a salon when I open mine and they're gone. Yeah. You know, they're merged or they're whatever, whatnot. So, yeah. So, I would definitely say those main things. Make sure your salon is equipped for a salon <laughs> because that is big money. Are you still definitely. in the same location as you when you first started or have you moved a couple of different places? A couple of different places. I moved, I built from my one that I built from the ground, meaning I had the building, but it was just an open square. Yeah. yeah. I moved to a, I upgraded to a nicer salon, bigger salon. 
I stayed there for eight years. And now I downsized thinking, you know, I'm ready for retirement. Yeah. Not knowing I was going to get married, have a son, which hyped me back up. So here I am downsized, but, you know, still trying to move back up again because now I got to do what I got to do. Yeah. So now I'm just getting back into the hair business and the Instagram and the Facebook and, you know, all that great stuff. Because we didn't have these tools back then. Right. So, you know, I really tell all the stylists and business owners, those are great tools to have. So what were you doing back then? I know you said, you know, you would speak about it to people when you come in contact with people. But what do you think was the difference from back then marketing than now marketing when it comes to like having social media or just having different ways to market to people versus back in like right. the 90s. Back then, it was just much more easier because it wasn't a lot of salons. Like now you got a salon mostly on every block. Five if not two. on every block. You know, so it's, it's much harder, which means, yeah. of course, your income goes down because now they got five options to choose from. So um, back then, it was more like word of mouth, less salons. And flyers. And like I said, I was into photo shoots. I was in black hair sophisticates all the time. And I get people from different states calling to come in, you know, to sit in my chair. And like I said, I was just hungry for it. So anything they put in my face, I was ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> and at that time of opening my first salon, that's when I got into music videos. Because that's what I really wanted to be was a... Platform artist? Like yes, mm-hmm. platform artist and a celebrity stylist. That's what I really, you know, wanted to be. But then again, I wanted to have my own salon. And yeah. it was hard to do both. And I had just had my daughter. So it was like, okay, what am I going to do? But I got my first break and I did uh, Music Soul Child. Oh, yeah. was my first video, <laughs> which was huge because it was actually a label mm-hmm. that I worked for. And they wanted me to do a whole week of different artists. And I'm like, I just opened my shop. I got to be <laughs> at the shop. It's yeah. only me there. So I had to really choose. And um, luckily, the lady that I worked with, she was a well-known celebrity stylist. Mm-hmm. And she flew me back because I was crying. I was like, I want to, but I have to. You know, my shop just opened. Yeah. And I have a daughter now. So I had to think. And, you know, with that money, it doesn't come that same day. Mm-hmm. It comes maybe a month or three months later. But it's great money. Yeah. Well, back then. <laughs> so it was great money back then, but I still had to choose. And I chose my salon and, you know, motherhood and all mm-hmm. that stuff or whatnot. And I still did videos, just the ones basically in Atlanta where I can go and go home. So, you know, that was very fun. And the money, like I said, it was really good money back then. So what were some of your favorite videos that you worked on? Just all the rap videos, Young Jock videos, uh, Puff Daddy videos. Those were the fun videos. Yeah. Because you get to actually be in some of the videos, you know, when they need extras and <laughs> yeah. whatnot. And just the art of hair. Mm-hmm. You know, they made us feel like we were celebrities because we were the hairstylists. Yeah. So, and just seeing your work once the video come out, you're yeah. like, I did that. Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. That was, <laughs> you know, that was my work. So, that was really good. Not only that, the check in your pocket, mm-hmm. you know. And then you get known for that. So, there's more clientele and things like that. And it was hard. Don't get me wrong. It was fun, but it was hard. We'll do 15-hour days and, you know, you have to stand up around the set. You might not work, but an hour out the whole day. But you had to be there. Yeah. So, that, too, was taken away from motherhood or whatnot. But like I said, I really enjoyed that. I want to really kind of get back into that or whatever. Um, But it's so different now. Yeah. You know, it's very different Mm -hmm. now because most of the models come hair ready. So they really don't need hair, you know, so I'm still trying to push into that because I still have a lot of my connections. And that's another thing for hairstylists. Always hold on to your connections. Yeah. 
you know, no matter where. I have connections from back in, like, the 90s yeah. that I could call right now. Everybody's still doing their thing, just maybe at a, you know, a, a normal pace now. So that was really fun. Yeah. yeah. So back to the salon. I'm just intrigued because you've had it for 20 years. Right. But, um, back to the salon. How did you get hairstylists in there? So what was that process like for you to hire stylists? I know you had to fire stylists. Or right. how did you determine if you were going to do commission base or booth rent? What was that process like? My whole thing was booth rent. Mm-hmm. Even though commission... Now that I've been in the business salon, it's the best way to go because it makes more income for the salon. But my whole thing also was I don't like the headache of following behind grownups. So right. booth rent, pay me this on Monday and we're done, you know, and had the rules to the salon or whatnot. But looking for stylists, normally it was word of mouth. I really never had to actually go out there and, oh, my good, we're hiring, we're hiring. Now, sometimes I go and... You know, it'll just be me and another stylist or just me sometimes. I had to run the whole salon. That's the biggest thing too. Wow. Now that I'm thinking yeah. of it. Make sure you can run your salon, pay your bills with nobody but you. Right. Because stylists come and they go. That's a you good know, one. and that's a good thing because they want to branch out and have their own salon. So you can't get mad, you yeah. know. It's just a part of growing in the business. So that's the number one thing as well. Make sure if you don't have any stylists, you can still pay all your salon bills and run your salon. Yeah. Because at a point it will happen. And I, you know, that happened to me. Yeah. And, you know, I, I fought through it. I got through it or whatever. But word of mouth and, you know, stylists are always looking for a home. So you want to make sure you got a great atmosphere. You want to make sure everything is updated so that a stylist will stay. And then that way you can offer a good booth rent, you know, that compensates for the overhead. And yeah. where you can make money, a business is to make money, not put out money. So if you're putting out too much money, then something is going on with your business. Or whatnot. But um, it was never hard to get stylists in. It's just the point of keeping them. Yeah. Because you're not going to get too many people that's ambitious as you. You know, stylists, a lot of stylists want to come in and already make the money that you're making. But it's like, dude, you know, I've been doing this 20 years. You just got out of hair school. You have to sit. (laughs) Like, I had my sitting times. I had where I go in the salon all day and sit and wait on walk-ins to build my clientele. But I was hungry for it, so I didn't mind. You yeah. know, I treated everything as if it was my career, my job. And it worked out. And yeah. then I got information from other great stylists. You know, Sonya, you got to sit. Yeah, we're making money. Everybody come in, ask for us. But we've been here years. And it made sense. So I just, you know, I was able to take criticism and run off with it. Yeah. You know, and use it to my advantage or whatnot. So, so there's yeah. like, there's... Tons of different salons everywhere. Right. What what sets your salon apart? Like, what would make somebody say, I want to go to Salon Ray Shanice instead of the salon up the street? I think with my salon, it's in a great location. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about crime. Your car getting broken, too. The atmosphere on the inside says it all. You know, you want to walk in a place where you feel comfortable and safe and like you really paying for what you're getting. Not only that, with my services, my prices, just the whole professional atmosphere of it all makes clients want to come back. Even if you're one of those stylists who doesn't really do the best updated work, it's people still will come because of the atmosphere. Right. And because of the care. You know, you could tell a stylist that care and one that doesn't. And so that makes a big difference. And, you know, just let a timely manner, because you listen to clients while they are in your chair. I sat at her salon 
eight hours Ooh, just for I a bar. Hate sending us a line. I don't know how you guys do so, that. Oh right, I don't even like to see a, a client in my so salon over two hours because then <laughs> I get nervous. Yeah. So it's like because I I pride myself on timely, you know, timely appointments yeah. and trying to be more professional. Like that's what I I struggle with the most is being more professional because your clients become your friends. Right. Or um, even if you try to keep it just. You're my client. I'm your stylist. If you do them a while, you become close because, mm-hmm. like, we're basically their counselors, basically, you yeah, know? Yeah, And as they become your client, your friends or whatnot, you lose a little professionalism. You know what I mean? So you late, they lay. It's cool. But I would say stick to being professional. You yeah. know, it brings in better clientele and it, it moves the business better. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Definitely. It really does. So let's talk about these edgy haircuts that, that you do. You're like a scissor specialist. So what's one of the craziest edgy cuts that you've done before? The craziest that I did was I cut hearts and no, it was stars. I did like a big photo shoot. Uh-huh. And I dyed her hair white blonde and it was red in the top. No, pink in the top. And then I put pink stars. Ooh, so I had to use pretty. my clippers to make the stars. But it was so pretty. Like, I was so proud of that. So um, that was like one of the best, I think, because I had to actually do the stars a certain way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that just take art and craft and just knowing clippers and cuts and razors and yeah. things like that. Because anybody could do a cut. But if you don't know how to make that cut stand up or lay this way, lay that way, it's so much too cutting. And a lot of stylists feel, you know, they get down because they don't know this stuff. Yeah. But it just take education and classes. I still go to classes. I even worked at Great Clips and oh, yeah, Super I Cuts. And I, in the midst of having my salon because it's hands-on cutting. That's all you do there is cut. So I got yeah. a lot of my cutting. I could mess up. They wouldn't know it, you know. <laughs> and I could, you know, I just learned from that. I would stay maybe like four or five months just to get my cutting skills up. And also attend the classes that was offered at Brown and Brothers shows and things like that. So, yeah, that's like one of my biggest. That That's one thing I think a lot of people listening to this really need to understand is you got to see like she has her own salon and great clips and whatnot. What's the other great clips? And um, Supercut. Super cut. Super yeah. cut. <laughs> that is not glamorous. Like I have the great clips app because that's where I go to get my hair cut. Oh, it's wow. so simple. Right. And they are because they're just like. Did you sign in online? Yeah, sign in online. They're so fast. But what you got to see is she took the whole pride and all this stuff out of it. Absolutely. Understanding like, look, I might be seen in this other environment that's not as classy or as awesome as my current because I'm a business owner. But I'm going to learn from this. Right. And a lot of people will be like, oh, no, I'm just too good for that. Especially with stylists like Jesus Christ, calm down. (laughs) You got to take the time and really learn this stuff. Like it's just not going to happen. But you put yourself in that environment. I mean, this is like honestly one of the greatest things I've heard on this podcast so far. It's like of what you did because you wanted to be so good. And now you're like cutting stars and so much hair, which is absolutely amazing. Right. 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 It's sometimes you got to do things that, you know, you're just like uh, you think you're better than this, but it's for the education side. It's that's unbelievable. I mean, this right here is like super gem. You struck it with Mikey because he's so he's so big on education, like learning, learning, learning. Yes. And that's a big part of the hair business. Yeah. Because you will you you do have stylists who just get caught up, who's still doing when they started in the 80s, 80 styles and. I know your clientele isn't growing because you're not doing what's out there. Yeah. And as I get older, I really have to educate because I'm in Fayetteville, so it's mostly corporate women. Mm. So I don't get to do my edge. And I'm 
a flashy person. So I like to do the wildest, craziest things. That's why I love photo shoots because I yeah. can really show my work. Like if you was to go to my Instagram page, which now I'm going into, I'm making, I'm going to make me another Instagram page uh-huh. to do my edgy stuff. Because on my Instagram page, it's more so corporate and, you know, the kids going to school. and Because, because that's, that's what's in my area. Yeah. Absolutely. So I have to feed what's in my area. And actually, to believe it or not, it's, it's great money because it's hair care. Hair care is a is expensive. Yeah. You could do a $100 sew-in, but I did a $100 relaxer, you know, and it was two hours versus four hours on this style. So it's just about knowing, educating yourself, yeah. you know. Yeah, you do all these sew-ins, and I've did these five people, and I walked out with bigger bank than you because it was about hair care, you know, and hair care is so important, which a lot of us are losing, you mm-hmm. know, because we love our Extended hair. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of extended hair. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just easier. Yeah. But also, I love hair care as well. Like, I love a healthy head of hair in my chair. It just makes the style better, the cut flow, and everything. And rewinding back to, like, working in these nine-to-five haircuttery places, also because I didn't have the education of business, it showed me how to run my business more. Mm. You know, I would look and like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my. You know, just keeping up with paperwork and getting the clients in and out and coming back and logging what did they get done to their hair, keeping the cars. This is the stuff, like I said, I stepped into my own salon. Not, not knowing any of this, just going off of, I'm just going to do it, you yeah. know. But going into those salons, they really educated me on business, not only business, but my edgy haircuts. Yeah. Because that's why I got into razors and clipper cuts, you know, cutting guys' hair. I didn't know how to do that. They didn't <laughs> teach us that in school. Yeah. I knew how to cut weaves and our hair, but just other ethnic hair and whatnot. Oh, I'm the bomb now. Uh, it's like, yes. yeah, I'm the bomb. <laughs> I could cut any hair that you put in front of me now. So that was a really challenging experience. And that's what got me where I am today with haircutting. So I'm grateful for that experience. Yeah, you got to look at something like a Great Clips, just going back to that, right? So it's so corporate. Okay, Absolutely. I get it. But there's a reason why, like in Atlanta, when I'm on the app, there's one like from where I am, there's one like two miles away, one four miles away, one six miles away. It's because they run a successful business. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. So like for you, it's definitely, I can understand learning the, working with different people's types of hair. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then also seeing the corporate side of running a hair business. Right. And there's certain things like even working for a single owner salon, you're not going to learn that kind of stuff. Right. Right. Because unless they've been in this corporate environment and there's reasons why these specific corporate environments thrive, they're here forever. It's because of the certain things they do within the systems, Absolutely. which is missing in so many so hair definite. businesses oh, and yeah, swans. Yeah, yes. It's like all about the systems. And for you to be able to probably say, I'm not going to do it exactly like this. I'm going to like tweak it for my salon. It probably was worth whatever they paid you. What you learned from there was probably worth way more than whatever the tips and the hourly and extra money you made from there. It has to be that way. Oh, absolutely. And one of my great mentors, she always said, and it always stuck with me. 
Basically, she was saying, run your business like a business and the money will come. Don't worry Definitely. about the money. Because a lot of us worry about the money. Yeah. Oh, I want to make this. And I was one of those stylists. So now it's like, worry about the business. Focus on business and your money's going to automatically come. Definitely. Just because you're putting the business. And that's what makes these companies great. You got a group of people at the office who just focus on the business. And that's what makes you know them have different ones on every block. And they're successful. Yeah. So, yeah. So I really learned a lot from that business wise. What do you think is the reason why a lot of people who get into the hair industry aren't business savvy? Because I know you said originally, you know, you didn't know business, but that's the case for a lot of people that are in the hair industry. Right. So why do you think that a lot of creatives in the hair industry aren't business savvy? Just uneducated, Mm -hmm. just uneducated. And the money is good and quick. So therefore it's like, well, I don't really need to do any of that. My yeah. money, my banking account looks good. Mm-hmm. But at the same token, that it won't last. Yeah. You know, it's, at some point, it's going to fall. And I can say that from experience. And it's so funny because I look back and say, wow, I should have listened to my mom. Yeah. You know, if I would, <laughs> would have went to business school, my salon would have probably, you know, been one of the top-notch, you know, salons. But I was lacking business education. And I had to just learn as I grow. And I'm still learning, you know. And I also think because as hairstylists, we're a certain type of people. Our personalities, our, we're everywhere. We're all over the place. Yeah. We're creative type. We're creative, right. So it's hard to be business and creative because that's, business is so far behind us because we want to shine. You know, we want to do the funky looks and address a certain way and, you know, carry the nice bags, drive the nice car, you know, all of that. So, the business is just kind of one of those things we put on the back burners when really that needs to be up front because yeah. you'll feel even much better doing all that and educated. Yeah. So I really say the education of business, salon, life, all of that, it just plays a big part. And education is the biggest part. To educate yourself, if you're opening a salon, even if you're not, even if you're a stylist, you still have to keep up with your own business. Right. So you definitely need business management. You definitely need that. And you will, you know, it would make you have a great salon. For sure. We talked a little bit about, I can't remember what podcast it was, but when Mikey and I talked about how, you know, some stylists, they don't really have bank accounts or because they get money every day or quickly, they don't really know how to manage it. So is that something that you struggled with? And if so, what did you learn from it? And what's something that you can share with other stylists who are kind of like, okay, I get quick money. They're not really using a bank account or they're not really figuring out how much they're making, what they should be spending it on. Because you hear stylists say, well, I'm broke, but you get money every day. So, right, like, right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, I had my first salon at 23 is mm-hmm. when I actually opened it. So I was young. Yeah. So all the money I made went into, of course, you know, clothes and nice restaurants and yeah. just living the high life, you mm-hmm. know, basically not even knowing the business part of it. Right. But I could also say working in Fayetteville, I had a lot of corporate women and I just started listening to them. And I've always been, like I said before, very mature for my age. Uh-huh. So I was always the type, if you're doing it, why can't I do it? If right. your daughter goes to this school, why can't my daughter go to this school? Mm-hmm. So, but I didn't, you know, coming from my mom and dad, they're from the country. They didn't know any of this stuff. They yeah. didn't know anything. Yeah. So I was just out there learning. But thank goodness to my clients, they would come in and just, they're doing this and they're buying a home and they're doing this. So I just start listening and saying, I don't have no money in the bank. Mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna do. I don't even really have a checking account. Yeah. So I start. I open my checking account, and you you need all of this stuff, but because to get something, you got to show 
paperwork, paper right. trails. Right. So I definitely would tell all stylists, make sure you have your banking accounts, your business accounts, separate from your personal account. Mm-hmm. That's very important. Make sure your taxes are lined up because that gets you down the road. Yeah. You know, I was, like I said, young. So by the time I'm getting like 27, IRS knock on your door and I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, you run into all those problems not being educated. Yeah. Well, if you don't mind sharing, not into too much debt, but there are hairstylists who don't understand or don't know that they should be paying taxes. So what's something that you learned from that situation that you could share so that they don't go that road where IRS is knocking on their door like you owe Absolutely. us thousands of dollars. <laughs> right. Make sure you have a tax accounting okay. because you're a business person. You definitely need that. You definitely yeah. need a lawyer too. Yeah. No matter how small, how big your salon is, you need both of those those on deck for, yeah. you know, for your business. Which I didn't I didn't get any of this into my thirties. Because that's I'm learning in my twenties. Yeah. And then it finally hit me in my thirties. And like I said, IRS knocked at the door around 27, 28. And I had to get in a uh, tax account and just strain all that out, which, you know, everything panned out good yeah. and whatnot. Thank goodness. And then she educated me yeah. on my taxes, which you could do it quarterly, yearly, however, but you need to do it. And what people don't know, oh, I do Cash App, oh, I do Square. Those are paper trails. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get a letter in the mail from the IRS at the end of the year saying, you made this much money, I need you to file your taxes on it, which I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, I went into, um, I had my own visa machine, so I'm thinking I'm doing it. I'm just swiping <laughs> visas left and right. <laughs> so, you know, when they called, I'm like, well, I don't really do much here. They was like, oh, where well, it says here you made over $50,000 in visa payments. And I'm like, how did they know that? <laughs> so, you know, I called my accountant or whatever, and she was like, oh, yeah, anything that you have. Wow. Concerning money, even cash apps, people don't know that, but the IRS keeps tracks of money coming in I didn't know and that. going out. Oh, it's tracked so much more now than oh, yeah, it was when 15 it years ago. Yeah, wow. It is, and how the, it all works together, everything else. And, and the square as well. Yeah, you know, oh, of I thought I, I stopped using my Visa machine and I said, well, because sad to say, but you try to get around all the that system. stuff if yeah. you can. Yeah. But you lose money because when people can't pay cash for hair, they could use a credit card. Yeah. So you, you, you're you losing money. So you need one of those avenues to swipe cards. Yeah. So I went on to Square. So IRS, knock, knock, knock. Well, it says here you made such and such and such. And I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so you know, so you have to be aware of what you're doing. Yeah. But I can let every stylist know any app that you use that you're taking money in, whether it's from hair, selling hair, selling shoes, clothes, whatever, IRS is reported, if especially if it's under your social. So, you know, um, be aware of that. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And then there's nothing wrong with it because you're running a business. Definitely. You know, in America, we make money. We have to pay our taxes. So just set your taxes up to where it's already being done. And that way you won't have anybody knocking on your door because you don't want those problems at all. You know, they will garnish your account. Luckily, since I didn't know anything, they garnished everything out of my all my accounts, not just one account. Everything. Any account with Sonya Elder. But they give you 21 days to get it straight. Okay. So I'm letting everybody know that they will give you 21 days to get it straightened out, just a phone call and payment plan. And then you go from there, you pay it off, and then you on a good path. So at my age now, I'm on a great path, yeah. you know, to my business. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's actually great now. Yeah. Quick things with that, just for people to help educate you a little bit. When you're signing up for Square, even though you're putting it, because I know you said you're social, but even though you're putting it in your business name, you'll see with all credit card processors and 
you know, with our business, yeah. as Secure knows, I have a lot, right? Like <laughs> right. I have backups on backups on backups <laughs> just in case something goes wrong. But racks every, on racks on racks. <laughs> yeah, but every time you every time you sign up, even though you do put in your tax ID, they need to verify your identity. The way they verify your identity is you also have to at least put in your last four of your social or your full social. Absolutely. So that does connect that business directly to you. Okay, so a lot Absolutely. of people don't think about that because they forget that, oh, I signed up with my tax ID. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Next thing is, honestly, it's really not that expensive to meet with an accountant, contact a local CPA. Absolutely. Okay, don't just go to an accountant, go to a CPA and say, hey, I have this business or I'm starting this business. Can I meet with you? I want to show you what I'm doing. Right. And can you give me suggestions on the better way to keep these books or to do this this way or that way? Absolutely. Okay. A meeting like that, it might take an hour of their time and be like, hey, I, I want to continue to work with you, be a client. They're usually going to give you a discount. Mm -hmm. They'll probably charge you a hundred, 150 bucks for the meeting. It might sound like a lot for an hour. It will save you tens of thousands of dollars yes. if you mess things up. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Do that meeting as soon as possible if you've never had one of those meetings. And then, if you're not doing like a ton of transactions, you don't necessarily need a monthly bookkeeping, but maybe at least a quarterly oh, yeah, or, a, or a biannual, meaning every six months, just so you know where you are. It's a lot less expensive than you really think it is, right. especially if you've worked with them from the beginning of what's an easy way to keep track of the transactions. Because all they do is everything's synced online to QuickBooks now. So like for us, they go into all my Amex accounts and all this other stuff. They go into the credit card trend and just downloads all into there. They'd make sure it's going into the right chart of accounts. So it's really not that many hours they're working, right. even though for us, it's a lot of stuff. Yeah. But for just a single hairstylist, it's not that much work. They're not going to charge you that much. Right. And if you get it done now, you're going to feel better about it. Absolutely. Because it's always going to be in the back of your mind of like, hey, is this done Right. Or is the IRS going to contact me? Or, <laughs> right. you know, am I really getting away with this stuff? No, you're not. Like, <laughs> what's that going to cost me? Like, you think saving this money here, once you get like fines and interest and all that stuff down the road. Oh, yeah. It's, it's gonna a add, headache. It's a headache, right? A so, stress ache, headache, everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so our advice is 100% go see a CPA and it will save you so much money. Like this conversation right here can save so many stylists Definitely. so Absolutely. much money. It's just a matter of just set the appointment. That's one of yeah. the big things as well. Yeah. You asked me earlier, you know, what's another thing that, yeah. and like I said, it's getting your, your business in order. Cause a lot of people think they have a business and they don't. You're yeah. just running a salon. Exactly. I have stylists come in my salon and say, Oh, what is this paperwork? Cause I have a wall of just, paperwork that's supposed to be shown right. mm -hmm. to the public and they're like i don't have this i don't yeah because i'm running a business yeah. you know <laughs> if anybody walking here i'm not in any kind of trouble because i but you know i'm 42 now yeah you know so it took me a while but had i had education in the beginning it would not have took all that yeah all this time to get right and all these mistakes and all this wasted money and you know things like that but it does feel really great to be on point now. Definitely. You know, so I'll tell anybody that's starting out, you think opening the salon is just, oh, we got the white plush this, we sell wine and cheese. I mean, we serve <laughs> wine and cheese and all, all that is beautiful. Yeah. But what's behind the scene? Definitely. And that's our headache. You yeah. know, that's our headache. And because paperwork, everybody know, is just like one of the biggest headaches. But once you get it done, you're smooth selling. So that's when you become to run a business, you know, yeah. things like that. Woo! 
great information. Yes. A lot of great information. Is there anything that the salon has coming up? New places, moving, upgrading? Um, now that I'm getting back into the industry, uh-huh. life, I'm thinking about relocating, but I'm not for sure because yeah. I do need a bigger space now. Yeah. Because where I'm at now, it was for what I wanted. Right. But now that I'm getting back into the industry, I'm going to need a bigger space. Yeah. And that's just what I'm used to and accustomed to. Yeah. So um, that's one of my major moves. And like I said, I want to do work on more sets here in Atlanta because mm-hmm. now Atlanta is a big, big industry for that. Definitely. Work is really booming for hairstylists yeah. in the industry of Atlanta. So it's just getting back out there. I got to get back out there and networking. And, you know, like I said, I still got those tools that I had way back when. Yeah. And um, I'm just going to put them back to work. I still have all my connections as far as black hair, sophisticates, hype hair, because those are are big revenues to around the world, not just Atlanta. Right. You know, I had people who's coming to Atlanta. I'm I'm from D.C., but I'll be there Saturday. Can I make a hair appointment? I'm like... You know, at this point, I'm only in my 20s. So I'm like, oh my God, somebody's flying here to get their hair done by yeah. me. So, you know, that was those are best feelings in the world. You know, it's not about the money, mm-hmm. it's not about any of that. It's just the point that they from Chose another you. state yeah. came here for me. Yeah. You know, so those are like the rewarding moments or whatnot. So yeah, those are my my main thing on my bucket list is to kind of upgrade again and really get back in the industry of hair. Love it. So, love yes. it. So where yes. can people find you now? Um what's What's the address to the salon in Fayetteville now if they want to come see you? Yes, <laughs> it's 500 Lanier Avenue West, Fayetteville, Georgia, 30215. I'm also on Instagram, Salon Rationese, and Facebook mm-hmm. as well, Salon Rationese. Spell that for them just in case they don't know. It's S-A-L-O-N-R-A-E-C-H-A-N-E-C-E. Yep. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. We'll have the links to all her information, where you can find her address, all that important stuff in the, the show notes. Definitely. Absolutely. So make sure you guys go visit her if you're in the Fayetteville area. If not, it's like a hop, skip, and jump away from Atlanta. Absolutely. <laughs> not that Absolutely. Far. So make sure you go see her, book an appointment. Shout out to you. 20 years. Well, 20 years. You. And we also honor. always looking for models for my photo shoots. Gotcha. that's like really huge. So if you guys are modeling in the Atlanta area, make sure you hit up Miss Sonya. Please do. Yep. But shout out to you for hanging out with us today. Absolutely. We enjoyed really you. This was a myself. very educational I podcast. Absolutely. I hope you guys took some stuff from it because it was educational for me. I learned some stuff that I didn't know. So absolutely, absolutely. Fantastic. Until episode 39 next time. Right, right. So <laughs> make sure you guys subscribe, subscribe. We're on iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Stitcher.